The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. But this being the uh, first Sunday of the new year, first Sunday, first Lord's Day of 2024, um, I'd like to present some thoughts with some focuses, some goals. If you are in the process or you're the person that tries to consider some New Year's resolutions, I want to give you some, some thoughts to ponder. Uh, went ahead and printed off some notes from the message today that we handed out for you that uh, you can put that in your Bible. You can refer back to it, hopefully. General outline of what we'd like to consider this morning. And um, our focus will be just seven simple goals, seven simple commands from the Word of God that I think if you focus on these on a daily basis and if you are purposeful and disciplined to be able to execute these, then it will be an, a good and an honorable day in service to the Lord. I want to give you the overview of these, and then we'll, we'll have a few more points and, and comments. First of all, these seven points come primarily from three verses, and three verses um, give these topics, I guess you could say, these, these themes. And if you think about these themes, uh, that these are focuses that if you focus on these three themes and these three uh, areas, then I think that our days and our lives will be very honorable and glorifying to the Lord. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40, that gives us the greatest and then the second commandment. So obviously the greatest commandment, we need to focus on that, right? But just to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. The greatest commandment and the second commandment. But then Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and in verse 13 tells us the whole duty of man. And then Micah chapter 6 and in verse 8 gives us the commandments of what does the Lord require of thee. So that, those are pretty three all-encompassing things, right? The greatest commandment and the second commandment. The whole duty of man. And then what does the Lord require of thee? So... If you focus on those seven things on a daily basis, uh, I think that we're, we're covering a lot, of, a lot of ground, right? The greatest commandment, the whole duty of man, and what does the Lord require of thee? So in those three verses, you have seven commands, seven goals that you could focus, focus on. First of all, to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Second, to love your neighbor as yourself. To fear God and to keep his commandments, and then to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So these are some things that we'd like to consider this morning for you to focus on and meditate on and consider <clears throat> in the days, the weeks, and possibly even the year to come. A couple weeks ago, I was up at 2 a.m. trying to get... Zachary back to sleep, and most of the time at 2 a.m. my brain's just mush, but this evening though, this night um, at 2 a.m., I had some thoughts really impressed heavily upon my mind centered around the discipline of discipleship. Now, if you think about the word discipline, as you can tell, the root word of discipline is disciple, right? And we all desire to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to be followers of him and to follow in his pathway according to the word of God. But something that became very clear that was heavily impressed upon my mind especially with um, all of the excuses that 
Uh, it's easy to let creep in, at least in my mind. I feel like I've got a lot of excuses that I try to frame as reasons, uh, especially in the last year with some of my work and employment obligations and then the everything that goes along with being a, a new parent. I feel like that um, those have been my excuses during 2023 to not be as purposeful as I should be in many different areas and manage my time well, manage um, my, my schedule can, to control my thoughts, to do things that are edifying to both my spiritual walk and then also in the, in the light of New Year's resolutions and everybody trying to get more healthy to be more purposeful to exercise as well to, for your physical health. <clears throat> but something that I, that I really realized as I was thinking about that is the necessity, the necessity is that if we are going to be disciples of Christ, we have to be disciplined we have to be disciplined in the way that we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. And the reason why you have to be disciplined is because you, your natural tendency, if you just set something on autopilot, your natural tendency is to not necessarily do these seven things that we mentioned. Okay, So you have to be disciplined you have to be disciplined to be purposeful to do the things that you know that you should be doing because you're naturally going to gravitate to something that's not as edifying because that's our sinful nature. And some things I was thinking about, at least for me personally, uh, these are some of my uh, areas I'd like to focus on, particularly in regards to discipline. Being very disciplined with my time management. Because I know this has been an issue for multiple months. I even thought about it before Zachary was born. <laughs> and now, time, what an empty vapor it is, right? But I pretend like I don't have any time, but I've got just as much time as I always had. And there are plenty of gaps during the day that I have time to do whatever I need to get done. The difference is that I'm not being disciplined to handle that time that is available to me because my natural tendency, this is what I'm going to naturally, and boy, I have years and years of, of uh, evidence to back this up. My natural tendency is to be tired at the end of my workday and to enjoy a couple hours of television and to waste three hours that I have in the evening. That's what I'm naturally going to gravitate to. And then, I, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, I just don't have any time. No, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> I'm not being disciplined in my time management. For those of you that were able to go to uh, Clear Springs last Sunday, uh, Brother Craig Blair had a very blessed, edifying message, which is some things I've been thinking about regarding this, uh, um, this topic, which is redeeming the time because the days are evil, being purposeful, and discipline and time management to redeem the time. So I think that we could probably all improve our time management to a degree. Uh, I don't know where you're at in that spectrum. I know where I'm at. But we need to be disciplined to make sure that we are redeeming the time that we've been given. And you have enough time to accomplish the things that are important to you on a daily basis. We, do. we have plenty of time. We just have to be disciplined in our time management. And it's going to be difficult to be a disciple of Christ if you're not disciplined in that time management. And I, I think this last year is probably the, the worst I've ever done since I started reading the Bible all the way through when I first started exercising. That's probably been 10 years ago. I would say this is the worst worst year I ever had. And again, I, I feel like I had I tried to frame them as, as reasons, but it's really just excuses because of a lack of time management. I was not disciplined in my time management. Same thing with exercise. Oh, I don't have time to exercise. No, i got plenty of time. i got plenty of time to exercise. I'm just not disciplined in my time management.
Same thing with my reading in the mornings, uh, my daily Bible reading, and I certainly make sure I try to pray every day, but my head's not where it should be many times in the mornings. Why? Because I'm not also, you need to be very disciplined in time management, but you have to be extremely disciplined in controlling your thoughts. You have to get control over your thought because your, your thoughts are going to naturally gravitate to the opposite of what we find in Philippians chapter 4 and in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You have to be purposeful to think about these things because our, our mind, my mind, is naturally going to gravitate to worry and fear and stress and concerned about a, a thousand hypothetical bugaboos that are never going to happen. That's where my mind is naturally going to gravitate to. So what do I have to do? I have to as it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, bring every thought into captivity to control your thoughts, to be disciplined in the thought, consistent meditations and thought processes that we engage in on a daily basis. And that'll funnel back into Bible study. It'll funnel back into praying without ceasing. It'll funnel back into all of these daily disciplines of discipleship. <clears throat> but you have to be, I think the, thing, the, the word that seems to be coming up so prevalently in my, my thoughts and studies is be purposeful. You have to be purposeful if you're going to be disciplined. You know, I was thinking about the military. I don't think that there's a reason why they have to set the structure that they have in the military with the discipline that they have because people don't just naturally want to follow the mechanism of attention and getting up and running at 5 a.m. in the morning and saluting. But that doesn't happen naturally, right? There are structures in place that provide the discipline for the military to have the proper chain of command and training that is necessary uh, to fulfill their duties to protect us in that military capacity, right? But discipline requires us to be purposeful to do things that are the opposite of what we naturally gravitate to. I mean, it's so easy for me to uh, not exercise and pretend like I don't have any time when I'm just wasting time watching television instead of me just being purposeful to manage my time better, and to do the things that I don't naturally want to do. <laughs> you know, I've reached that point <clears throat> in life where um, I'm some degree of tired all the time, right? So I'm never going to thrive, at least for me personally, I'm never just going to love working out, but I have to be purposeful and disciplined to be able to exercise to in improve my overall health, Okay. The point is, discipline requires you to do something that is the opposite of what you will, if you put it on autopilot, you're going to naturally gravitate to something else. And that's why it's hard. <laughs> that's why it's required discipline. Uh, that's why being a disciple is difficult, because you have this flesh inside of you, this natural flesh that gravitates toward things that are not honoring to the Lord. So I have to be purposeful and disciplined to recognize that and to make decisions and actions that are going to be honoring to the Lord. So as we kind of go through these, I want you to keep the idea in the back of your mind of discipline. It takes purposeful discipline to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you think about every single one of these things, we have something inside of us that naturally gravitates toward the opposite of each of these things. So you have to be purposeful to follow the commands of God, to do what God told you to do. Let's just look at these individually. <clears throat> Love God 
with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all your mind. What do you naturally gravitate toward loving? Yourself. Yourself, right? So to love God with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind, you have to perform the prayer of, uh, of John the Baptist where he says, Christ, he must increase, but I must decrease, right? There can't be any room. Now, I, we should have a, an appropriate degree of, of self-esteem and view ourselves um, through the identity and the value that we have in Jesus Christ, right? Uh, not loving yourself doesn't mean you walk around depressed all the time, but your primary thoughts should not gravitate to yourself. Your primary thoughts should gravitate toward God and others, right? Now, is that where your your mind typically naturally goes to? No, my, my, my mind naturally goes to myself first, right? I have to be purposeful, <clears throat> To love God with all of my heart and all my soul and all my mind. And ultimately, I, I have a natural tendency, and all of us do, to really want to put myself ahead of others. Well, what does the kingdom of God tell you to do? You put the needs of others ahead of yourself. <laughs> and that's difficult to do because it's the opposite, right? It's the opposite of our natural tendency here in this world. Okay, fear God. Fear God. A reverential awe of God. You know, we, we have a tendency to be irreverent in our actions, in our nature. But we have to be purposeful. I hope, Lord willing, to be able to bring some messages very soon about fear, about conquering fear, and the contrast between the fear of God. There's two types of fear. You have the fear of God, and then you have the spirit of fear from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. That was just recently our memory verse back in November. God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's the fear of the world that Satan tries to feed. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> now, what's our mind going to naturally gravitate to? Is it going to naturally gravitate to a reverential awe and worship of God? Or is it going to naturally gravitate to just being afraid of everything here in this world? It's going to naturally gravitate to a spirit of fear. So we have to be purposeful to replace that spirit of fear with a reverential fear of God, right? And then to keep God, what's the whole duty of man? To fear God and to keep his commandments. <clears throat> we have something inside of us. Um, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. The carnal mind, the fleshly nature, that it says there in Romans chapter 8 that it does not have the ability to be subject to the law of God. It doesn't desire to obey the law of God. It, there, there is no ability to please God in that nature. In the previous chapter there, in Romans chapter 7, uh, the Apostle Paul talking about his flesh, he says, I know in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The reason for that is because there's a carnal nature inside of me that still resides there even after I'm born again. And that carnal nature does not have the ability. It has no capacity to be obedient to the law of God. So that's why the Apostle Paul is describing this, this warfare in Romans chapter 7 is because literally with inside of you, you have the spirit of the flesh that's tugging you to the, to the left you have the Spirit of God that's tugging you to the right on a consistent daily basis. And that is a warfare and it is a struggle. And who wins out on a daily basis? Who wins out? Do we, do we just put it on autopilot and allow ourselves to indulge in the nature of the flesh? Or, or are we purposeful and disciplined to, as it tells us there in that context, to mortify the deeds of the flesh to walk in the spirit. Now, if you're going to mortify something, you have to be very purposeful to do that, right? <laughs> that doesn't just come naturally. You have to be purposeful. So <clears throat> there is something inside of us that gravitates <clears throat> toward not doing the commandments of God. But then you have the spirit of God that's convicting you and guiding you to obey the commandments of God. 
And that's why it's so vitally important that we are disciplined on a daily basis to make sure we are engaging in spiritual stimulus, that we are praying on a daily basis. We're having those quiet times with the Lord. We're reading the Bible on a daily basis. We're having, if, if you have the opportunity to listen to sermons or to read edifying read, you are having spiritual stimulus on a daily, and when you do that, you are feeding the Spirit. Because let me tell you, there's already going to be enough going on around you just from living in this world that's going to be feeding the flesh plenty, right? It just happens inevitably with us being in the world. Not of the world, but we're in the world, and there's going to be plenty of stuff that's stimulating your flesh on a daily basis. Well, to counteract that, you have to be purposeful to have things that are stimulating the spirit on a daily basis. See? Okay, to do justly. To do justly. Now, we're all honest people. I know y'all. But you know what? There's still something inside of you that wants to tell that little white lie to get away with it. To do justly. To be honorable. To love mercy. To love mercy. As much as lieth in you. As a... As much as in me is, we want to love mercy because of the great mercy we've been shown of the Lord. Now, there is absolutely a time to allow people to bear the full consequences of their decisions, right? But as much as lieth in you, as the opportunity allows. And also, the phrasing there is that we love mercy. Not that we begrudgingly show mercy because God told me to. No, my, I love mercy. I also believe that you can love mercy, by the way, and still allow someone to bear the consequences of their mistakes and shortcomings and sins. They can still reap what they've sown in your interactions with them. You can still show mercy and loving kindness to them even as they are having to bear the brunt of the consequences of the poor decisions that they've made, okay? But we don't naturally love mercy. <laughs> we don't. And then to walk humbly with thy God. We will naturally gravitate to pride, right? We won't naturally gravitate to humility. And the Lord hates that. The Lord hates a proud look and a proud heart. And the Lord knows those that walk in pride, he knows exactly how to abase them. But we're naturally going to gravitate to pride, right? We're naturally going to gravitate to exalting ourselves, not debasing ourselves. We're not going to naturally gravitate to humility. But the Holy Spirit of God inside of you is consistently teaching you to be humble, to be meek, meek, meekness, being closely associated, first cousin to humility. The Spirit of God is leading you to meekness. That is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So, <clears throat> with that overview of these seven points and the necessity that we are purposeful to be disciplined to engage in these activities because we're naturally going to be gravitating toward the opposite of them We'd like to go through each of these individually. <coughs> Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus here, tempting him, who asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? <coughs> Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God with every fiber of our being. And the second is like unto it. The second is a natural extension of the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. The greatest commandment and the second commandment. <clears throat> To love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. Some other verses that teach 
the same lesson here in the New Testament. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Right? Which, by the way, Jesus Christ says, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill. So how did he fulfill the law? He fulfilled the law by love, right? He fulfilled the law that he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to die for our sins. So Jesus fulfilled the law by love, because love is the end of the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, uh, we naturally think pretty highly of ourselves, right? Are you going to commit adultery against yourself? No, of course not. Are you going to kill yourself? We certainly hope not. Are you going to steal against yourself? Are you going to lie against yourself? Uh, are you going to covet against yourself? No, of course not. We're going to protect ourselves, right? That's, that's where loving ourselves and pride comes in that we naturally gravitate to. So we have to purposefully mortify the, the thought that, you know, there's something that's going to be better for me, but it may be injurious to someone else. You know, uh, and I you know, you can self-justify it. Um, my family doesn't have any food to eat. I'm going to steal this bread with the intention of providing for my family, right? Well, you know what? Who are you thinking about then? You're not loving your neighbor as yourself, are you? No, you're thinking about yourself, and you're going to do something that's contrary to God's law because it's beneficial for you. But if you think about it in the, in the light of, I'm going to love my neighbors myself. Well, you don't even think about that, right? Because I sure don't want somebody else stealing my bread, right? I sure enough wouldn't steal my own bread. I'm not going to purposefully injure someone because I sure wouldn't want anyone purposefully injuring me, right? So if you love your neighbor as yourself, and we all think pretty highly of ourselves, we're not going to do anything to purposefully injure or harm our neighbor at all. So therefore, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're, you are going to naturally obey all the rest of the law. That's what he's saying there. Verse 10, love worketh no ill toward his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, right? Love is fu the fulfilling of the law. 1 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> and verse 5. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart of a, con of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Purity of faith. And notice, charity out of a pure heart. Charity, love in action, not just verbally expressing that I love you, but backing that up with actions that validate that, right? But notice, charity out of a pure heart. Your, your motives are pure. You know, people can go through the, the external motions, but their internal motivations are not pure. You know, this is highlighted in, a, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the charity chapter. And that charity chapter begins by saying, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So now this gets to the to the, the purity of heart behind it, right? It gets to the motivations behind it. Now, it is no doubt that uh, I'm not the person that divides the sheep from the goats, so this is a very general statement. But I think it's very clear that there are men that are very wealthy, that have got very wealthy, not based on 
humbly serving the Lord, but through dishonest dealings, etc., etc., they may give millions of dollars to charitable organizations that can be very beneficial, right? And and that's there's a lot that can be done with a lot of money, right? But is that honorable to the Lord if they are giving millions upon millions of dollars for the tax write-off for their own vanity so they can have their name on a building for all of posterity, right? What's their motivation in that? Is it really to help the poor or is it to save money on taxes and to feed my own vanity so I can have my name on the a wing of a hospital for people to, to look at? And then it's probably going to say, I know, I know it's this way with the uh, at Mississippi State, the Adkerson School of Accountancy, they let you know exactly the amount of money he gave to get his name on the at, on the school of accountancy, five million dollars. <laughs> so not only do you have your name on the wall, but also people know the exact dollar amount that you gave. And if you give that, that there's a lot the benefit that can be done with that money, right? There, there's there's people that couldn't provide for their meals, that people can be using in the right way, and they can be fed. Um, there, there's a lot of value that can residually help people. But is the Lord honored by a person making that kind of a sacrifice if it's not motivated by agape love charity? It doesn't appear so, okay? So the external actions, the external actions, they are all, they're well and good. But God looks at the heart, right? God looks at that purity of heart. And am I performing this action so someone will look at me in a favorable sense? That gets back to walking humbly with thy God, right? Some people want to perform actions to feed their own vanity or feed their own pride. But am I truly doing it with a, with a pure heart because I love my neighbor as myself and I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind? See, God looks on the heart. So charity out of a pure heart. And there's nothing that we should focus on more on a daily basis than simply loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. If you get that, if you, if you strive, I, I won't say you get that right, because we'll never get it right. <laughs> we'll strive and fail every single day of our life, and we'll never, we have sinful natures that lead us astray, and we will never fulfill that perfectly. But if you strive to love God more today than you did yesterday, all the rest of these things are just going to fall into place. You're going to naturally love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, now let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You're also naturally going to fear God. You're naturally going to have a desire to obey the commandments of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 <clears throat> and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Now, this is Solomon that's writing this. King Solomon. And in his early days, he displayed the greatest wisdom that this world has ever seen outside of the Son of God. And the Lord granted, and you, should, you see his humility when the Lord says, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And he said, give me wisdom to rule over this great people. You know, he didn't ask for um, wealth. He didn't ask for um, power over his enemies. He didn't ask for long life. In his younger years, he made a great request and the Lord granted unto him that wisdom. And by the way, if you ask the Lord for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom too. James chapter one and verse five. If any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God because he give, he'll give it liberally. If you, if you desire wisdom and all of us need wisdom, if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you every time. So Solomon asked God for wisdom and he gave it to him in abundance. But then tremendous prosperity. Everyone was coming and they were just continually stroking his pride and his ego. The Queen of Sheba is coming and just saying the half was never told, right? Uh, everyone's just stroking his pride all the time. And there came a time where he started listening to all the stuff everybody was telling him. <laughs> and then... Well, his pride was exalted. He started 
making mistakes with the same strange women that he warned his son about in the book of Proverbs. He marries these strange women, marries a thousand of these strange women. He falls into idolatry, and by the end of his life, he is apostate, worshiping idols instead of Jehovah God. That later in life season is where the Holy Spirit moved him to pen the book of Ecclesiastes. And what he says in Ecclesiastes is because he had indulged himself in all the things of the world, his conclusion is that everything under the sun is all vanity and vexation of spirit. It's all empty. And all it does, that, that language, vexation of spirit. Do you remember the language where it uses that, where it describes Lot's righteous soul being vexed daily with all the sin of Sodom around him? You know, Solomon was miserable. Why? Because he wasn't fearing God and he wasn't obeying the commandments of God, right? But he had, he learned this lesson through indulging in all the things of the world. And his conclusion is that everything under the sun, you want to know what his problem was? He was focused on everything under the sun, Right? Now, if we set our, we're told in the New Testament, set our affection on things above, not on things beneath, we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, you see? We have the blessing in the church and in the kingdom of God to partake of heavenly things in the kingdom of heaven. We can lay hold on eternal life, you see? But if you indulge in all the things of the world around you, you're going to reach the conclusion just like Solomon did. You know, you don't, you don't have to go through it yourself. You don't have to experiment with all the lust of the flesh yourself. And, and I always say, even if you try to do that, you won't have near as big of a budget as Solomon had. So no one would ever be able to live life under the sun better than Solomon did. And what was his conclusion of all of that? Everything under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. So that means our focus does not need to be under the sun. Our focus needs to be on spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, right? But after he had indulged in all those sins of the flesh, all of the things under the sun, that his conclusion, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit, he served God faithfully in his youth. He fell away into apostate idolatry in his older age. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what I've learned in my life. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man is to reverence. That's what we were made for, is to glorify God, to reverence God, to worship God, and we were made, we were ordained unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We are his workmanship, created, ordained unto good works. And the Spirit of God is continually guiding us and convicting us to lead us into those paths of good works. But I'll tell you, Solomon is the, is the pinnacle example that if we are not disciplined... If we are not disciplined, we will be enticed by this world and the sins of the flesh. If we are not disciplined, we will gravitate toward not fearing God and not obeying his commandments. And if you think that anyone is above falling away, look at Solomon, right? You would read the book of Proverbs and you would say, there's no way that this guy would ever fall into the exact traps that he warned his son against through the, Holy, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have enough sense to look in the mirror and read his own words in his old age and repent of that. I'll tell you, God has ordained us to good works, and the Spirit will guide us and convict us in those. But boy, if we choose to live down in the pig pen, the Lord will let us live there. He'll convict you. He'll convict you, and hopefully there comes a time where you feel that conviction and you return to the Father's house. But let me tell you, our duty, our commandment from the Lord 
is to fear him and obey his commandment. We were ordained to that. We were ordained unto good works to obey him. But we have to be purposeful to do that. Okay? We have to be purposeful. And then Micah. The book of Micah, chapter 6. And the verses leading up to this... are really, as we said before about charity, getting to the heart of the matter. Now, we need to perform external actions that are beneficial, that are honoring to the Lord, that are worshipful, that help other people. But the Lord desires for you to perform those actions out of a pure heart. So he says here in Micah chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high... That sounds a lot like fearing God, doesn't it, right? A reverence of God. And one of the ways we display that reverence of God is through worship, through, through sacrifice, through presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves of a year? Will the Lord be pleased? What, what, what pleases the Lord? By the way, the only way we can please him is by faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? At the end of the day, do you remember we just recently... Um, went through the book of Nehemiah and then in association with that, the book of Malachi, they were going through the motions of the sacrifices, weren't they? But God was not pleased with those sacrifices. Why? Because their heart was not reverencing God. Their heart was not where where it should have been. So is the Lord going to be pleased with all of these ritual sacrifices done with the wrong motives or done through empty vanity instead of a real desire to reverence, honor, and worship God. What does the Lord really require of you? Verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. You know, this is not new. This This has been very clear. It's been manifestly displayed throughout the entire word of God. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly. To be honest. To be men and women of our word. To not try to cut corners and be deceitful. To do justly. And that's an obedience to the commandment of God too, right? Fear God and keep his commandments. All of these are just simply obeying God's commandments, right? Fear God. Keep his commandments. Do justly. To love mercy. Mercy is not giving someone what they do deserve. And you know, it's difficult to look at someone and know, you know, we're not talking about just um, grace, it's unmerited favor, I'm giving you something that you didn't deserve. I'm talking about you have rightfully offended me. Have to forgive you according to the word of God. You have rightfully offended me, <clears throat> and you have justly earned this penalty or this consequence. But I choose to put myself into the shoes of Jesus Christ to the best of my ability, being reminded of his rich mercy toward me. I'm willing to show mercy to you and to not hold you fully accountable for the wrong that you've offended against me. That is against our nature. Forgiveness is against our nature, isn't it? You want to know what comes naturally? Holding a grudge comes naturally. Forgiveness is against our nature. Mercy is against our nature. But also, he says, don't just begrudgingly show mercy. To love mercy. To love mercy. I, 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 I gravitate and I crave the ability to be merciful to be why? Because of I'm I'm just so enraptured with God's mercy toward me. And it's my honor and privilege, as much as lieth within me, to show mercy to other people.
Um, now, showing mercy does not mean that you just whitewash everything that somebody has done. You know, uh, me and Bethany like to watch these these crime shows, these true crime documentaries, and all this. Some of this stuff, it's like what we've said to, to one another. What would what would you say? You know, some of these people are being very gracious, and oh, I I've forgiven him, and you know. It's he doesn't even you know what's your opinion on giving him a plea deal, where he doesn't even have to go to jail. Well, you know what, I've forgiven him, but you give him the needle, <laughs> you give him the death penalty, okay? And you know what, They're, I don't think those are contradictory. You know, I can still show mercy to him, but you know what, that doesn't mean that the government has to has to show mercy to him. That doesn't mean the sword that the government that doesn't bear the sword in vain. That doesn't mean that the governmental uh, penalty that he is justly earned by committing a crime. That doesn't mean that they have to show mercy. You see? So, mercy is not just saying, oh, you never have to bear any consequences of your actions. I would say that's at a minimum enabling. At a minimum. Probably worse than that. And then to walk humbly with thy God. Walk humbly with thy God. I tell you, our nature, all that's in the world, you want to talk about living under the sun? What is the world going to teach you? All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This world is going to teach you to be prideful. And that's going to come naturally. And it's going to come naturally for you to believe the world. <laughs> uh, it's going to come naturally for you. When everyone tells you how great you are, it's going to come easy for you to say, yeah, yeah they're, they're right. And the more you get to know me, you'll, you'll realize that how great I am too, right? That, that is how we naturally gravitate to, right? What's difficult is having enough humility to truly put someone else's needs above your own. To walk humbly with thy God. And thankfully the Lord, he's in the business of guiding and sanctifying his people, right? His ultimate goal in eternity is to conform a people to the image of his son, and that's going to be done perfectly in glorification. But his intention, his purpose here in this world, is to guide us to be more and more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So if, if as a good father, as a good parent, if he sees a child displaying a little bit too much pride... You know what he's going to do? He's going to bring circumstances in your life to teach you the appropriate lessons to teach you humility. Those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Okay? What does the Lord require of us? Do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And what a, what a blessing, you know, if we are obedient if we fear God and we're obedient to the commandments of God, you know, in the Garden of Eden, they had perfect fellowship with God. Perfect fellowship with God. But you want to know what caused them? You know, they were, they were unclothed, they were naked, and they were not ashamed at all. But you want to know what caused a breach of fellowship, and now all of a sudden when the Lord came, they were afraid of Him in a natural way, not in a reverential way. You want to know what, what changed? They weren't obedient to the commands of God. Right? They, they sinned, and now all of a sudden, because of their sin, there was a breach of perfect fellowship. They walked with God in the cool of the day. There was a breach of fellowship. Why was there a breach of fellowship? Because they did not fulfill the duty of man, which was to fear God and obey His commandments. You see? And if we walk humbly with our God, that's the kind of person that's going to be walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ. Because if we're, if we're walking pridefully, you're not going to be walking in close fellowship with Jesus Christ. You just won't. Because he, he resists the proud. He, res he pushes you away. If you're, if you're prideful, he will push you away. But he will push you away and then send circumstances in your life for the purpose of sanctification to bring you humility, to bring it back to you.
to bring you back to fellowship with him, right? But walk humbly with our God. Obey his commandments. And ultimately, all this funnels down from what? The greatest commandment, right? Just love God. Love God with all of your heart and soul and mind. The Holy Spirit's already guiding you to do that. But we have to be purposeful and disciplined in our daily walk to ensure that we are performing actions that are strengthening the Holy Spirit in our daily discipleship. We don't want to feed the flesh. It's already getting fed through all the wickedness of the world around us anyway, right? It's already, it's already getting fed. We have to be disciplined and purposeful to feed the Spirit, to walk humbly with our God and ultimately to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So we hope, hope this message has been encouraging for you, and we hope that, you know, if you looked at all the commands in the entire Word of God, thousands of them, right? We don't have time to list off a thousand different things. But if you focus on these seven things, and really if you just focus on the greatest commandment, right? Just focus on the greatest commandment. Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Let me tell you, you're going to walk hand in hand in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because you were made to fear Him. You were made to obey Him. You were ordained unto good works. And when we obey Him, we love Him. That's what we desire more than anything. It's just fellowship with Jesus Christ, right? We want to feel His presence on a daily basis. And if you focus on these things, I feel like the Lord will be abundantly manifest in your life on a daily basis. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.